Welcome to the RTI Time Machine. Today's time traveler is John Van Trieste. And the destination Taiwan Schools. What goes into an education? What should the goals of an education be? Do ideas about education change much over time? These are some questions that may come to mind if you visit the National Museum of Taiwan History anytime soon. The museum's latest exhibit is called Time for School Modern Education in Taiwan. It's a retrospective of more than a century of classroom life and school activities in Taiwan. But it's more than just a passive look back. The exhibit is also meant to get visitors thinking back on their time in school and consider another question. How has your education shaped the person you are now? Joining us this week to introduce the exhibit is museum curator Zhang Yingzhi. Taiwan had of course known education in different forms before the subject of this exhibit came along, what the museum calls modern education. Notably, Ms. Zhang says, there had long been academies and halls around Taiwan where Confucian classics were taught. In the late 19th century, new, foreign ideas about education started entering Taiwan, introduced by a scattering of schools set up by Western missionaries. But this was the era when imperial China ruled Taiwan, and the classical Confucian tradition remained strong. From 1895, though, things changed, and education based on the Western model took over entirely. This change was brought not by a Western power, but by Japan, which had itself adapted the model of Western education some decades before. In 1895, Japan took control of Taiwan, ruling it as a colony for 50 years. Transplanting Western education to Taiwan was among the colonial government's early acts. The system took time to develop, though. At first, Ms. Zhang says, basic schools were established, aimed at teaching local children the Japanese language and basic skills like arithmetic. At the same time, high-level schools were set up for training professionals needed for the colony. Some trained the teachers who would man the schools, while others were medical schools, training doctors to improve sanitation on the island. For Taiwanese people, access to education beyond the elementary level came slowly. It was only in 1915, a full 20 years into Japanese rule, that the first middle school opened to Taiwanese students finally opened. Meanwhile, universities and other higher centers of learning only became common after the 1920s. Students were encouraged to enroll in school from early on, with teachers even visiting the homes of local school-aged children. But willingness to enroll children was slow at first, and the drive to enroll was met with suspicion. There were worries about what the state might do with educated children once they had graduated, draft them into the military, perhaps. Ms. Zhang says research done for this exhibit has found that in 1905, a decade into Japanese rule, the percentage of school-aged children actually in school was still in the single digits. But as the colonial order took hold, the kind of skills taught in schools, skills like arithmetic, became essential in the job market. Over time, positions began requiring at least a primary school education, and eventually even higher education than that. So, enrollment in schools grew. 
二战的结束前啊，那时候就学率就已经提升到百分之八。Towards the end of World War II, as the Japanese era neared its end, a full 80% of school-age students were enrolled in school. A mandatory six years of schooling had only recently kicked in. What classes were held in Taiwanese schools of the era? Many would look familiar to today's students. 另外的话，他其实会教修身的课。那修身的课主要其实就是让他。There were math and science classes. With Japanese the main language of instruction, the languages used in school were a bit different from today. But English as a foreign language was still there. History and geography were also taught, though from a Japanese perspective. And there were classics and ethics and morals. There were also some classes that might have been thought frivolous in the old Confucian academies, singing and physical education, for instance. 就比如说像体操的课啊，它其实是希望说，哎，你除了培养你健康的身体 ，these classes were there by design, and they had important ulterior goals. Physical education built strong future subjects, and the exercises were group activities done in unison, building up a sense of group uniformity. The music taught in schools also tended to serve state or patriotic functions, featuring lyrics with approved messages and performed on occasions important to the nation. For those Taiwanese students who wanted to get ahead, moving up the educational ladder could be difficult. In most parts of Taiwan, few schools meant few options, and in any case, many families couldn't handle the burden of having a child away from the home or of paying for them to learn more than the basics. Beyond that, there was the fact that Taiwanese students and the children of Japanese colonials did not attend the same schools. 学校的那个教材通常都比较难，它跟日本本地的那个。The Japanese students in Taiwan had a more rigorous course of study, and those who wanted to keep studying past the elementary level would have to pass exams based on this more challenging curriculum. In order to move up the ladder, Taiwanese students needed to get the right preparation. 在日本时代的时候，就已经有很多学生，他们比如说课后会留下。Ms. Zhang says that during this period, many Taiwanese students would stay after school for extra lessons, even going to teachers' homes for further instruction. Often, they'd stay there until late. Since entrance exams were oral as well as written, parents might even send their children to the homes of Japanese colonials to polish their Japanese language skills and hopefully help their scores. Again, the museum's research team has uncovered figures pointing to a low rate of educational advancement. 比如说，以一九二零当年来说，好的，它有九千五百多个公学校。In 1920, for instance, close to 10,000 Taiwanese students finished elementary school, but of these, fewer than 2,000 went on to further their education. All of this is not to say that there weren't Taiwanese people with exceptional educations. Some well-off Taiwanese families even sent their children abroad to study once their chances to study further in Taiwan had dried up. But these were extreme cases. For many, a basic education would have to do. Ms. Zhang says that towards the end of Japanese rule, as efforts to assimilate Taiwanese subjects heated up. There was a slogan trumpeting the idea that local students and colonials could study together. The idea was to break down the barriers between the two parallel school systems that had grown up across Taiwan. But in practice, she says, this might just mean that a middle school, once reserved for Taiwanese students, might now allow Japanese enrollments as well. 
To hear Ms. Zhang talk about it, it doesn't seem like this slogan ever amounted to much. This is how things stood after 50 years of Japanese rule and of Western education. What had begun as a simple network of schools on Taiwan had grown to include a degree of higher education, including university education for a select few. After World War II, Japanese rule ended, and a new government stepped in to take its place. Did this have much effect on education in Taiwan? What was the purpose of education in the post-war era? And was this purpose any different from what it had been before the war? What memories does this exhibit hold, and what can they tell us about education in the past? Next week, Ms. Zhang will be back with us to answer these questions, and to explore the old notebooks and uniforms, the photos and the essays, and the other schoolhouse objects that make up this exhibit. In the end, she'll also tell us about another question the museum hopes its adult visitors will think about as they walk through the exhibit. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another journey through time. This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan.